praise the name of the Lord. You may be seated. I, too, want to publicly, again, thank all of those that came to share the wonderful celebration on this side of the world when we had a great celebration there in Ohio, Caitlin and David being married, and, um, and then to be able to come, and the Barrett families opened their homes and hearts, and we've laughed a few times, eh, Josh? <laughs> and we've had a, a few uh, good times, had a lot of good food. We've had um, a lot of fun times, and then uh, the blessing of being with the Lees and the Lee family, and then Sister Gina and Steph and Greg and the Hackathorns, and of course Taylor and Stefan and, and Abby, and <coughs> then last but not least, of course, <coughs> the butchers. And as my wife said, to see Matthew worshiping and and uh, Cassandra doing a great job leading all the worship and doing everything. And I, I, uh, when Brother Butcher called and said, um, you're coming and you need to speak. And I said, uh, listen, there's enough preachers that are there. And I've been privileged to have many of them in my own local pulpit, much less hear them online. I think we can all take five minutes and it'll be fine. I don't need to preach. I will be, it'll all be great. And um, he said, oh no, you need to, you need to speak. And I was like, uh, okay, after all of this celebrations, I, I don't know what to tell all these people, and especially uh, the great, <laughs> this great church and, and uh, so many that we have uh, loved and we have uh, shared so many of our journeys, and we're still in a journey, as my wife alluded to. And I know many of you are still in your journeys. And so having, uh, there it is, perfect, thank you. Having a... Uh, being in a journey doesn't always mean that everything is smooth and that you never have a problem. And so I thought, well, you know what? I will just share a few minutes, and I know uh, I'm what's standing between you and a lovely lunch, and and uh, I will share just a few minutes of my journey and my issues that I've had to deal with. And one of the questions that I, I appreciate the song. I, I appreciate us being able to sing that all my life you have been faithful. And I get that. And I believe that. <clears throat> but I haven't always felt that these last two years. <laughs> Just to be transparent. There were many times I wondered, Lord, where are you? And there were a few, well, I shouldn't say a few, many times that I wondered why. I don't know, anybody ever ask that question? And then you feel a little bad for asking why. You know, you say why, and then it's like the enemy goes, ah, you should never ask why. And then you say, but yet, why? <laughs> don't ask why. 
Okay, but a hint? <laughs> Just a little hint. Could you tell me why? And, and I, you know, I, I, most of the verses that I show you today will be from the King James Version, but I thought what I would do is start off with a different version that you've never heard of, and it's called the Keith Shostrand Version. Of, of the Bible, and of course the the main uh, person that asked that question is found in Job, Job the third chapter, and I paraphrased a, a few of those words when when Job began to ask you know even very hard questions and you can you can read it, paraphrase it, do whatever this third chapter he said why why wasn't I born dead? Why, why didn't I die as soon as I was born? Why did someone hold me? Why did someone rock me? Why should I have ever seen the light of day? There's so much misery, bitterness of soul. I've longed for death. Why should I ever have been in the day I wondered about blindly? It's horrible. I, I don't understand this. I don't understand why. Now, we all know the story of Job, and I'm not going to preach on Job because we've all been there and we understand how horrible he had all the reports and how many things that he lost, et cetera, et cetera. And so, okay, I don't measure up to Job. So I, I, I that's the oldest book in the Bible. So then I, I find, well, Moses, he was a fabulous leader, amazing leader, <coughs> powerful leader. Moses even asked why. He's Exodus, the fifth chapter, he said, Lord, why did you make me, the, the, why hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that you sent me? Why did you ask me to come lead them? I don't want to lead them. I was having fun on the backside of the desert with sheep, doing my own thing. Why did you? Why'd you bring me down here? They're hard-headed. They're stubborn. So I was beginning to feel a little better. And then I found David. Repeatedly, David went through some of that those questions. You know, he said, Oh, God, why hast thou cast off? Why doth thy anger smoke against the sheep of thy pasture? The 42nd chapter, a powerful chapter. We'll, we'll look at it in a moment. But the ninth verse, he said, I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of this enemy? Then probably his most famous song about why was the 22nd song that possibly Jesus sang on the cross. Remember? When he was being hung and suspended between heaven and earth. This possibly he led a worship service, but he chose the why chapter. When he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's quoted in Matthew and it's quoted in Mark that Jesus started that. Now, I, I know that that song goes on to talk about the bulls of Bashan, and it's a powerful word, and maybe he was trying to illustrate that messianic song. But but just as a, as a recap, and I know I, I didn't cover them all, but when I went through this, it began to dawn on me. Job's question, you know, was prompted by personal tragedy. And I don't know if you've ever had 
personal tragedy. Our, our church had tragedies through COVID and we've had individuals lost and the loss of life. And, and Job not only had personal tragedies that happened to him and to his children, lost them all in one fell swoop. And his finances lost it all just in a moment. But he also experienced personal illness and excruciating pain. And so sitting there in the midst of his tragedy, even facing all of the mourning of his children, he came back with the, why was I ever born? And so we give Job a pass. Job did it because of the tragedy. Moses, on the other hand, his questions were prompted by this lack of confidence, lack of an ability, feeling like I'm inadequate. Here are people and they don't really want me as a leader. We've been through that already. Now I'm back and I don't know that I want to help them and I, now you may have never been there, but anyway, those were the feelings that I've had to wrestle with. But I'm not Moses and I'm not that great leader. And, and then, okay, well, let's, let's grab hold of David. And David went through his own oppression and depression and attacks. And then, of course, Jesus, whose questions occurred at the height, at the culmination of his battle with his own flesh and to be in the will of God. And, and I understand battles of the flesh. And I know, you know, as, as a Christian, we all battle the four S's. And, and you know what they are. You, you know, the big one, Satan. We all fight the devil. Some people see the devil in everything. He used to be a comedian in the States that would say, the devil made me do it, whatever it was, you know. The devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. And that, that's real. There is a, an enemy. There is an attack. There is a, a, a spiritual warfare. I, I, I agree. I believe all of that. We battle that. But we also battle sin. That's a, the second S. And, and the third one, which is a biggie, is self. Sometimes me, myself, and I is the biggest enemy. And the last S, which is not an S, but it pretends to be an S, is circumstances. Or maybe stuff. <laughs> you understand? It's just that circumstances happen. And I'm overwhelmed. And... You know, I don't know, you know, why it's going on. And, and, and I, the Lord comforted my heart and mine because I, I begin to realize you wouldn't ask why if you didn't believe anything. If you had no belief system, you wouldn't ask why. You know, when, when you ask why, you, you believe that someone might be responsible and that you know, there must be a purpose to what's happening. And so, you know, because we know more than Job. Job had no Bible. Moses was in the process of going to write the Bible. David, you know, had the Old Testament, uh, uh, the, the first five books and, and a few of the prophets. But then he was 
writing the Psalms as we speak. But you know what what happens? We know that you know that we believe we know more of the purpose of God, and we believe we know more of what God is doing because we have His wonderful Word, and we can intimately look at that, etc. And I, I was talking to Brother Lee last night about uh, something that I. I said to our church just not long ago, I said it, unfortunately, though, we often find we treat the Lord like going out to eat at a nice restaurant. Have you ever gone out to eat? And you sit there with whomever, your friends, your spouse, and you sit at the table and you engage in conversation. How are things going? What's going on? What's happening in your life? And you begin this dialogue. And then all of a sudden, the waiter walks up. And what happens to our discussion? We put it on pause for a moment because now the waiter is here. And I say, he says, what would you like to eat? I go, oh, well, hold on. Let me look at the menu. Okay. Here, you know, I want the this, this, this. And by the way, go get that. And then they leave and we go back to our conversation. And then my water glass is empty. And so I start looking around. Where's the waiter? And oh, catch his eye, her eye. You know, kind of jiggle my finger. I found that my son-in-law does this. And, and the waiter, waitress comes back over and we stop our intimate conversation here. And uh, could you give me some more water? Unfortunately, in that scenario, God is often the waiter. And the only time I really get intimate and in dealing with him is when I need more water. When I want, let me place my order, Lord. By the way, I want butter chicken over basmati rice or whatever it is. And I don't, but I'm not, I'm engaging with my life on this level. And I'm engaging with my stuff over here. And then I'm just periodically, you know, the waiter comes. Sunday morning, I sing, all my life you've been faithful. Now, by the way, I'd like another glass of water. And so in my journey, I I, I recognize, you know what? When you get to the point where you start asking God why, for the first time you're now getting intimate with Him. You're trying to figure something out, Lord. I need you to sit down here at the table with me and explain to me what's going on. I'm overwhelmed. I, I, I don't, you know, I'm trying to figure out the complexities. 
And this is what David went through. I told you in chapter 42, you can read the whole chapter and I could preach a while on it. But, but he said, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after you, O God. It was, hey, sir, hey, waiter, sit down. I need to talk to you. I'm desperate for you. And he goes on, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God, when I shall come and appear before God. In other words, where are you, God? My tears have been my meat day and night. They continually say to me, where is thy God? I'm taunted by my thoughts and maybe my people that go, oh yeah, you were living for God and look what you're going through. And he said, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them where? I said, I got to go to your house. Waiter, I got to be with you, because I'm being overwhelmed. My life, the things that I've been talking to and dealing with, I've got to now. Get back into your presence. I, I, I go to the house of the Lord. And you may not have always known it. When I came in and sat down, you may have just said, Hi, good to see you. We're so glad you're here. But you didn't know where I was with God. And when you shook my hand, and as I listened to you singing, and as I listened to someone praising, all of a sudden it began to get me back in contact with the one that I've been needing to talk to. He said, I heard the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept the holy day. Go on, next slide. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Now he starts talking to himself. You ever had to do that? Come on. Grab yourself by your shoelaces. Wasn't always able to necessarily call Brother Butcher or Brother Lee and say, Sister Gina, why am I going through COVID over here? Because I knew, guess what? They're going through it too. So you grab yourself by the shoelaces and say, Why am I cast down, O my soul? Who art thou? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise Him. Praise Him for the help of His countenance. Oh, my God. But then it comes back. <laughs> you know, it's like you push it away for a moment. And then as you walk out of church, bam, the tsunami hits again. Anybody ever been there? Two years worth of that. One blow after another. And so he said, Oh, my Lord. And he goes through deep calls unto deep. And at the noise of thy all thy water spouts, all thy waves and billows are gone over me. In other words, I am overwhelmed. This is a great prayer. If you're asking why, pray Psalms, the 42nd chapter. And then he goes, yet the Lord will com command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night. His song shall be with me, my prayer unto God of my life. I will say, this is the verse I read, 9. I will say unto God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why are you gone? Go, I am mourning because of the oppression of my enemy. 
and it pierces me like a sword in my bones. My enemies reproach me while they daily say unto me, Where is thy God? I got to get back to self talking. I got to get back into his presence. And he flips it. Verse 11 Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for yet I will praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Oh, David, you've given us the template for where we are. You've modeled this prayer so that no matter where I'm going, I know that my solution is to go to the house of the Lord, Zoom, whatever it is, and begin to say, Lord, I need to know where you're going. And so... It became my template. It's like do the things. There's a lot of things I couldn't do anything about. I couldn't do anything about the lockdown. Couldn't do anything about COVID. I couldn't do anything about some of these situations. People that are sick. But I know what I can do. I can keep talking to myself. Keep encouraging myself. I can keep going to the house of the Lord. I can keep logging on. I can keep being around the people of God. Why? Because that's where my strength comes. It's all of a sudden I'm focused my attention on the one that can bring me something. Oh, I understand now the purpose. I know I don't understand all the purpose. I don't know why I'm going through it. Oh, I understand Jesus went through all of this because he knew his purpose. And yet sometimes I don't know, just to be very candid. But it's, 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 it's really a very simple question. And this is just me being transparent. It's just one of two answers. Number one, go ahead, next slide. And what I'm going through, is it meant to produce something in me? Or is it meant to remove something from me? That's it. When I'm going through something, there's only two answers. It's either meant to bring something to me or to remove something from me. That's it. Now, oh, I, you know, is it bringing something to me because I lack something? Or is it bringing something to me because I need something to give to somebody else? I mean, the Bible is clear That Jesus, the Bible says, learned obedience through what he suffered. Why? Because he was disobedient? There's no evidence that he was disobedient. So how did he learn obedience? Through what he suffered. It was because he knew that his suffering would be able to give me strength. When I see what he went through, that I know, okay, he's touched with the feelings. He knows where I am. He knows what it is to be ridiculed. He knows what it is to be misunderstood. He knows what it is to be made fun of. Huh? So so if it's to give me something... There's my two answers. 
If it's meant to remove something, is it something that I know needs to be removed? And so this is, I'll just be candid. I'm being transparent here today. We're, we're in our family. That's why one of my first responses to whatever goes on is I repent. Why? Because, Lord, is it something in me? If it's in me, I want you to fix it. You know, it may not even be something I knew was wrong in me. It may be some spirit, attitude. Oh, yeah, you know, the sins I get. But sometimes myself may be giving me You know, it may have reared its ugly head. And the Lord's got to say, hey, back down. And so, these two questions. Is it to bring something? Is it to remove something? Followed by two questions. Something for me, something for someone else. Something to, you know, get rid of that I know needs to be gotten rid of. Or something that I don't know that needs to be gotten rid of. And there's only real two responses to any of that. And that is, I respond either with arrogance or I respond with humility. That's the key. And the Lord began to show me, when I'm right and I'm judged right, you know, when when I haven't done anything wrong, and I'm falsely accused, or rather, when I'm when somebody says, "Oh, you've done such a good job, Pastor. We love you." I have two responses to that. I'm either going to be humble and say, "Well, the Lord's helped me through. Lord's been good," or I'm going to be proud. Yes, you are right. I am a pretty good guy. Fairly awesome. And you need to recognize that. In fact, are you taking notes? Because this is kind of important. Now what happens when I respond with pride, it increases my sense of pride and my self-aggrandizement. Now, if I'm wrong and I'm judged wrong, if I've done something wrong and I feel the judgment of God or people, I have two responses. I either respond with humility or with arrogance. I either say, oh, I'm so sorry. I am, I, I, I haven't been, I need prayer. I haven't been doing all that I, haven't been praying like I should. I, my attitude got a little off track. Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me. Maybe that was a little harsh. Please. Or I say, you know what? Yep, I was wrong, but you know what? You need to just take it. Because I'm proud, and I'm hurt, and I'm defensive. And I don't want anybody telling me that I was wrong. And I know no one here is like that, but you won't believe I actually pastor people that don't want to be told they're wrong. I don't know why. I don't like it, 
but they need to hear it from me. If I'm right, but the tough one is the last one. If I'm right and I'm judged wrong, because that's where Job was. I've done no wrong. I've prayed. I've fasted. I've given money. I've even paid money for my kids. And that's why you have 30-something chapters of Job saying, let me talk to you. I am right. And I shouldn't. I'm being judged wrong. Now, there's only two responses. When I'm right and I'm judged wrong, I'm either going to be proud or I'm going to be humble. (laughs) I'm either going to be proud, which will leave me hurt and angry, or I'm humble. And, oh, and then the Bible started coming to me. I'm supposed to be, when I'm right and I've been judged wrong, I'm supposed to be rejoicing. That's what the Bible says. Did you know that? I was like, the Lord says, hey, if you're right and you've been judged wrong, you need to rejoice. And I was like, oh, no, wait a minute. I need a little bit of justice here. But Jesus himself, read it. I know Matthew, the fifth chapter, blessed are they which are persecuted for For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake. Then what does he say? Huh. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. I I don't think that he really meant that. But Simon Peter sort of echoes it in the second chapter. He said, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, what glory is it if you're buffeted for your faults and you take it patiently? But when you do well and you suffer and you take it patiently, it's acceptable with God. For even hereunto were you called. I like to be called to be a preacher, but I didn't want to be called to this calling. Because Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example, we should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither God was found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. Committed himself to him who judges righteously. Who on his own self bare our sins on his body. On the tree that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness. By whose stripes we are healed. And of course... Then one scripture after another. I will bless the Lord at all times. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Know all things work together for good. The spirit of bondage unto fear, but you have been redeemed. Receive the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. But the next verse says, if we be suffer with him, we shall be glorified together. 
what can be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed. But the main key is, in the midst of my struggle, is do I believe that I can trust the Lord right now with where I'm going through? And and that's not very different from the disciples who looked around in the boat as it was being slammed by the storm and Jesus was sleeping. And they go, don't you care? And yet he was in the boat. But they have that tendency to say, don't you care? And of course, Ephesians, where he says, you know, you're going to have tribulation, and yet you're going to be strengthened by the inner man, kept by the power of God in First Peter. And I, I know I, you can have these slides, Brother Butcher. I don't care if anybody wants them, they can have them. We're going forward. I, I'm just giving you my journey. Oh, what manner of love, First John said, that we should be called the sons of God because we know we can trust him. And I, I then went to the Old Testament and I realized what Habakkuk said when the Lord said to Habakkuk, I'm going to punish them, I'm going to whip them, I'm going to spank them, they've done wrong. And even Habakkuk said, oh, Lord, I can't bear it. And the Lord said, well, Habakkuk cried, how long will you hear? Show me. How long am I going to hear? How long are we going to go through this? And yet he turned it around by as he got into the presence of the Lord and he began to talk to the waiter. He began to say, although the fig tree shall not blossom." Neither shall the fruit be in the vine. The labor of the olive shall fail. The field shall yield no meat. And the flock shall be cut off from the fold. And there's no herd in the stalls. Yet, 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 yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. And He will make my feet like hinds feet. He will make me walk in high places and I I would repent and I'd say Lord I don't know what and I, and I would go again and when I I arrogantly think that I should know the logic and the purpose and the plan of God I begin to think well God you need to talk to me about this and I'll decide if this is a good thing you're doing Now, maybe you've never had that. I'm just being candid about where I was. I'm not sure, Lord, you've got this thing really under control. And I'm not sure this is a real good idea for our church. People are dropping off. Are you really positive, Lord? Because if the Lord shares his plan with me, I can either correct him. Or accept it. Oh, really? That's what Job did. You know, kept saying, I want my day in court. And finally, the Lord said, okay, make me a snowflake. (laughs) Then you can talk to me. Because I'm into making snowflakes. And until you can actually make one from scratch, don't say nothing. And I, 
The story came to me, and this is my last story, and I apologize, I know you've had to listen to my dealings. Why did you preach on that? Because that's where I am. I'm going to tell you the bottom line. Why? This is where I am. Sorry you had to endure it. It would have been more fun to hear all the classic funk on the music. But you remember the story in John the 11th chapter? Jesus is in another place, and Lazarus, who's in Bethany, gets sick. This is the Mary that anointed the Lord with the ointment, wiped his feet with her hair, and they send a message to Jesus, Lazarus, our brother, is sick. Remember the story? And you know what Jesus does? He says, well, thank you very much. That's very kind. You know, we'll head right over. No. The Bible says, and John even identified it by saying that they came with this word, he whom thou lovest is sick. The guy that you really care about is sick. And Jesus' response was, oh, don't worry about it. This sickness is not unto death. Only that the Lord might be glorified. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus, but he stayed two more days. He didn't rush over to Bethany. And Bethany was a day's journey. And he says, finally he breaks down third day from when the message left, a day to get the message to Jesus, two days there, Jesus wakes up the third morning and goes, okay, let's go see Lazarus and I'll wake him up. And they go, oh, Lord, if he's even alive, I, I'm not sure about this. I don't know that you're going to wake him up. And when Jesus walked up after another day's journey, now it's been four days since the message left, what was it that Martha said? She didn't use why, but she came very close. She said, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. The understood question was, why didn't you come immediately? She wasn't stupid. She wasn't foolish. She knew how far it was to where he was. <clears throat> you know, now she wasn't there when the disciples were talking. Maybe they came back and told her, Martha, we stayed two more days. I don't know, but she had enough sense to know, look, we sent the message on one day. You could have been here at the evening of the second day. And now it's been four days. I understand. What she may or may not have known was whenever they were questioning Jesus about, should we go now? He plainly told them, Lazarus is dead. But you know what he said? I'm glad for your sakes I wasn't there. 
that you may believe. That you may believe. And so that stumped me because why was Jesus glad so that they would believe? Go ahead, next slide. (laughs) You know, okay, you say, well, he knew there was this greater miracle, the resurrection. He knew it was going to be all right. Maybe that's why he was glad. But, but the key was, her confusion was, I asked and you didn't show up. Now what was amazing is, she had enough faith to go sin for Jesus. She also had enough faith in the future. Because when Jesus said, he'll live again, you know what she said? I am. Great resurrection. But what she wasn't able to process was what she was going through right. And that's where I've been. Oh, I believe. I can sing the song. And I can believe in that. But what about right today? You see, it's hard to have now faith. I can have faith that one of these days, whoo, hadn't the Lord been good? Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body, which brings to mind, why aren't you on the job right now? Huh? In the midst of my pain and suffering, what I lose sight of is the here and now. That's why Zephaniah talked about, you know, this people that are going to trust in the name of the Lord, in the midst of the glory of the Lord. Now back, back to John 11. So when Jesus, you know, they saw him weeping and they said, oh, you know, how wonderful he, is. he must have felt, how he groaned in his spirit, he was troubled. And he said, where have they laid him? And they said, come and see. And they wept. And the Jews said, oh, look at how he loves him. And and I realized an important lesson through that story of John, the 11th chapter. That you know what? Jesus wants to see what I'm going through right now. He wants to go to the place of my pain and say, here it is, Lord. Here it is. This is what I'm going through. And when Jesus walked there, he asked them, roll the stone away. And of course, they thought about it. They said, no, he stinks. It's been four days. Because you see, for the Jews, if you were dead one day, you were mostly dead. Princess Bride took the line from them. If you were dead two days, you were really, really mostly dead. But three days, you were really dead. There was no coming back from three days, which is why Jesus was in the grave for three days. Because he could be truly dead after three days. Because they had a few occasions where they thought they were dead and then they woke up. And, you know, that's why later they had little bells to ring inside the coffin, et cetera, et cetera. But here he was. He says, remove the stone. And what was their response? But Lord. And oftentimes, 
I realize that my response to God has been, but Lord, when it should have been, yes, Lord, whatever you want. You need to go worship. But Lord, I don't feel, what? You need to, you need to pray for somebody else. But Lord, I don't feel like, yes, Lord. But you need to, I, but Lord, I don't think I can handle. When you start saying the word, but Lord, that's a red flag that you need to change that to a yes, Lord, whatever it is that you're, huh? because he's wanting to step into wherever you are and bring you out of it. And that's where we get off track. Okay, last slide, I'm done. The culmination of John the 11th chapter was that actually Lazarus, Mary, and Martha needed everybody around them to help them loose him and let him go. And I realized how much I need the body, how much I need the family, how much I need the church. Because there are some things that I can't do for myself. But when I come into the house of the Lord, and maybe they're going through something, but they're praising God, and I see what they're going through, and they've still got able to worship, it does something for me and my why. And I begin to raise my hands, and I say, Lord, you know what? I don't know. I still don't understand it, but what I do know is you are still a great God. You are still the King. You are still able. I don't understand. I don't always understand the why. I don't always understand the wherefore, but what I do know is that whenever we all get together, we were blessed this past week to be with so many folks that meant so much to me. And I will say, you know what? If I go through another year, if I go through another two years, I'm still going to find a way to send somebody a text, pray with me, worship with me, believe with me. Why? Because I know God is still in control. Maybe this is just my journey. Has nothing to do with what's happened in Australia or Singapore. This is where I've been. And I, I, I've said why, and then I've had to pray through Dan through Psalms, the 42nd chapter, and say, come on, talk to yourself, preacher. Yet will I rejoice. Yet will I praise Him. Yet will I worship Him. Oh, but you don't know, you don't understand. But, don't, don't say, but Lord. Just say, yes, Lord, as long as you're here. If you're removing something in me, Work it out of me, Lord. If you're bringing something to me that I got to get, put it in me, Lord. Why? Because I need you, Lord. I need your spirit to lead and guide me. I need your presence. Oh, thank you. Let's just raise our hands. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's stand. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you've been bothered, 
with what's going on. You just need to worship Him for a moment. The altar is open. Why don't you come? Why don't you just let Him touch your heart? Hallelujah, hallelujah.